On April 12th, 1861, the Civil War began here in the United States of America. Um, and one of the things that happened, obviously, is our country started to go really dark, and this happens to all of us, I think, as human beings. When the world around us gets dark and it looks like it gets out of control, that's when we really start to look to God. And so during this time, after the start of the war, many people in our country started crying out, we need God now to help us. And one of the interesting things is that many people started writing the politicians, and then in fact, some started writing Secretary of the Treasury, Samuel P. Chase. And they wrote him and they said, I think we need to put some sort of motto on our money to remind us that we need God and that we need to trust him. Amen. And so, on November 20th, 1861, later in that first year of the war, Secretary Chase wrote a letter to the director of the Mint in Philadelphia. And in part of his letter, he said this, Dear Sir, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God or safe except in his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our national coins. Now, because this is a government, three years later, <laughs> after this letter, three years later, on April 22nd of 1864, now the war ended in 1865, so a year before the end of the war, Congress actually passed the act to have in God we trust placed on our coins. Now, so in the midst of the Civil War, in the midst of your Civil War, in the midst of whatever is dark and crumbling around you, it is very normal to cry out to God and say, God, we want you, we need you to be in control. Even the song, the worship song that we just sang, this God where the demons actually run in fear, where mountains shake before him at the mention of his name. We need to remember that there's a God that no power in hell or can, can stand against. That there's no, that before the power and the presence of the great I am. Hallelujah, holy, holy, God almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee. God almighty, the great I am. Now, let's stop and just think about this. This is, this is very normal. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I need to know that there's a God who's in control. And what's crazy is I actually want him to be in control. Why? Because if God is in control, that means his will is being done. And when everything around you is falling apart, you want to know that there's a good God because the Bible tells us his will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. So it's normal to cry out to him. And what's crazy is when God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is done, what happens is God actually gets glorified because people see, oh my gosh, this is good. God's good. When God's will is done, people are blessed. He always is blessing people. He wants to bless everyone. And those who actually follow his will, you become free. And you become fully alive. So, in this next series, and by the way, if you're visiting, uh, my name is Dave Nelson. I'm the pastor here at K2, and I just want to say thank you. Probably we're doing child dedications later at the end of the service, so we probably have a lot of guests. I just want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us today. We're starting a new series today, and for the next four, four weeks, we're actually going to talk about this guy right here. 
that on the back where it says, in God we trust. But what we have to ask is, do we? Do we actually, in fact, trust God with this? Do we actually want God to be in control of this? And do we want his will to be done? Do we believe that God's will for our money is actually good? That it's actually pleasing and it's actually perfect? Do we want God to be in control? And I I just want to tell you, I, I think we actually do. Can I just suggest that? I'm going to suggest to you today and through these next few weeks that we actually do want God to be in control of our finances. Why? Okay, let me, let, let me say a show of hands for all of you who are married. How many of you who are married want your marriage to be awesome? Okay, that's what you want. Listen, as a guy over 30 years doing ministry, I can't tell, count how many premarital uh, counseling sessions I've been in and how many postmarital counseling sessions I've been in. And here's what we know across the board. One of the major destroyers of marriage is this guy. So why would we not want God's will in our marriages so that they're good and pleasing and perfect? I'm going to suggest, no, we really do. And not just our marriages, but other family relationships. When the, when the inheritance is dished out, how's that going? Business partnerships, relationships can be good and pleasing and perfect. Money and possessions, they drive us. They drive us, we get our identity from that. So many of us are saying, if it's what I possess and it's what I earn that gives me my identity. And so again, if you're good at that, it produces pride. And if you're not, it produces shame. One of the greatest causes of fear and anxiety, studies, this isn't Christian stuff, this is just studies show that one of the greatest causes of fear and anxiety in people's life is money. Some of you today, you're in here today, and you live an anxious, fearful, tense, stressed out life, and it's all because of this. Now, at the same time, it's one of the greatest causes of fear and anxiety, but money is also one of the greatest relievers of pain and suffering and injustice in the world. (laughs) So why would we not want God's will, God's control, God's understanding when his will is good? Money curses the greedy and the hoarder, and yet it blesses the giver and the receiver. The love of money, and the Bible tells us, some of you in your own faith, it says that if you love money, if that's what you go after, it actually shipwrecks your faith And some of you in here, you actually do believe in God. You actually do believe in Jesus. But your faith, your belief, your intimacy with him, it's totally struggling. And it's because of money. And at the same time, if you love God and love others with this, it actually increases your faith. Do you guys see that this is not evil or good? This is neutral. But when we take God's will and we want his control then his will gets done and it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect, all right? So I'm just gonna pray. Can I just pray for us right now? I'm gonna pray for you because let me tell you before I do, actually before I do, here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, At K2, our mission is I wanna invite every one of you in here 
to join us on the adventure of following Jesus Christ. Because it is an adventure. I wanna, that's our mission. We want to invite you to be on this adventure of following Jesus. But then all of you who are already following him, okay, we want to actually equip you to help you to know, how do I follow Jesus? How do I know him? And so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to just teach from his word to you today. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this about God's word. It says, God's word is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. That means when, when the word of God comes out, the eternal God actually put life into the word. So I'm going to just share his, I'm not going to share my opinions today. I'm going to share what he thinks, and it's going to come out to you. Jesus said, you live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you're going to have a chance. But then it says, the word of God does four things. It teaches us, okay? So some of you today, um, I'm going to teach, and some of you are going to learn something new you didn't know today. Isn't that cool? Okay? You're going to have a chance to maybe learn something you didn't know. Then it says, the Bible is useful for teaching and rebuking. Don't we love that word? How many of you already get rebuked? Yeah. (laughs) No, thank you. Well, but, but the Bible says that God loves, those he loves, he rebukes. Why? As a parent, when my children are going down a path that's going to destroy their life, if I love them, I don't just sit there and let them do that. Out of my love, as a good parent, I rebuke, I try to get them back on the right path. So all, the word of God teaches, rebukes, it corrects. So some of you, you just have wrong thinking. It's not like you're going off on a wrong path. You just have wrong thinking, and he wants to correct that. And then the fourth thing it does is he trains you. So there's going to be some training. And then it says, so that the person of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I'm excited today to invite you, but all of you who are Christians, to equip you so that you can be thoroughly ready to live a life that's fully alive for God and others. All right? Okay, now, let me pray and ask that God would do that for us. And you pray, open up your heart, and be ready to hear from him. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that there, it is not an accident that each one of us is in this room today. You are intimately involved in our lives every moment. So I just want to say thank you for wooing us to this place. And God, thank you for your word today. Thank you that when we hear your word and receive it and ingest it into our being and trust it and follow it, we live. God, I know that you know every heart in this room. And Jesus said you came so that we would have life to the full, so that we would live. So I'm asking right now, would you, I'm just going to ask, God, would you please anoint me to teach your word? And would you teach us, would you rebuke us, would you correct us, and would you train us so that we can be equipped to live? And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to share a principle with you today. It's a foundational truth that's in the scripture. And I'm telling you, if you will open yourself to this truth, if you will be open to understanding it and embracing it, it can absolutely, it will help you trust God. And when every time, every time you trust God and follow what he says, you experience God. And I tell you, I just want to tell you, for 15 years here at K2, 
My all I want is I am so, I'm so not interested in just learning some stuff about him. I actually want you to know him. I want you to experience him. I want you to realize that he is not just some principle out there. He is a real being who is the truth and he wants to give us life. And if you'll listen to this truth, the first time I ever heard this truth, I was in my late 20s and I was taking a class on financial, it wasn't financial peace, it was another class on your finances. And when I heard this, I'm like, oh my goodness, it, it radically transformed my understanding of this guy right here. And once it did, it completely helped me to live. So I'm super excited to share it with you. And here's the principle. It's the principle of ownership. Okay? So we're going to talk about ownership. Now, why are we going to talk about ownership? Because ownership is really control. And again, what I said earlier, all of us at some, when we want God, and when we need God, that's when we're like, God, please come and be in control. I need you because you're good and you're right and you're pleasing. But then there's these other things where we're like, okay, God, I, you, why don't you just stay over there? Okay? I don't know if I actually want to really give you control. Well, ownership, that's why we have to talk about it, is actually all about control. I have a friend, Joe Mackey. Uh, met Joe back at our church in Detroit. Uh, Joe actually began his faith journey. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. Started coming to Kensington, eventually became a follower of Christ, and we became super close friends. And Joe is a financial advisor. So he handles my mass amount of wealth. Um, actually, Joe is very nervous about the lack of my mass amount of wealth. But here's what's interesting. So Joe actually manages my money, Okay. When I tell Joe what to do with my money, what does he do? He does exactly what I say. Why? Because I own the money. And so because I'm the owner, I control it. Joe actually is just the steward of my money. So this is super important because whoever owns it actually controls it. And we like control, don't we? Amen, brother. I can just tell you, we do. That word mine, I say this all the time. All of us who have kids, before they ever said your name, they said mine. <laughs> right there, you know it. There's an instant thing. We like it to be mine. And all of us who are parents, right, the, the kids got a little bit older. And then out of our hard-earned money, we buy them a candy bar. And as soon as we give it to them, it's mine. <laughs> and we go, okay, can I just have a piece of that? No. It's mine. I'm like, uh, excuse me, I, I, I actually paid for that and bought it and just gave it to you. <laughs> but we love it to be ours. Oh, when I graduated from college and got my first job and my paycheck and I got to buy my car and Susie and I got to buy our house, there's something about ownership that we like because we control it. So let me ask you a question. Who owns your money. Who is actually in control of your money? So go ahead, grab your Bibles, and open to First Chronicles. It's an Old Testament book. We're going to look at the life of David. First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles 29. In this story, David is the man after God's own heart. He's a fascinating person to read in Scripture. He blows me away with all David ever wants to do is give glory to God. 
So one of his greatest desires was to build a temple so that Israel would have a temple where God could be seen and glorified. And, and so he gets all his people. He sacrificially gives ridiculous amounts of money. And then the people actually surround, and then they come around, and they give all this money so that they can actually build this temple. And in 1 Chronicles 29, this is what David has to say about that. Listen carefully. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You're the king. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give um, strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Now, listen to this. And then David says this. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Every, now, listen. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight. We were, as were our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. Okay? So here's the first truth about this issue of money. Number one, all that you have right now actually belongs to God. And I'm just going to tell you right now, when I first heard this, I'm like, really? I, I thought it was mine. <laughs> And yet the Bible's super clear. Everything you have right now, all of your money, your possessions, your car, your home, all that you have actually belongs to God. He owns it. Now, the scripture's there in verse 11. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty, the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Verse 16, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. Now, why is this such an important, and this is, this is foundational, you guys. Foundational understanding before we get to any other stuff that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. Why is this so important? Because the owner is the one who controls it. If you see yourself as the owner, then you're going to make all the decisions with your money. But if this is true, which the Bible says, so, so all of us who are actually, so if you're visiting and you're checking out Christianity, this is going to be new, but if you're a follower of Christ and a believer in God, then here's one thing you understand. That God is actually the owner of my money. And if he's the owner, then he 
decides what to do with it. And here's the cool thing. Why would we want that? Why is this so important? Because if God's in control of my money, then his will is going to be done with my money, and his will is what? Good and pleasing and perfect. And then this thing, instead of causing anxiety and stress and conflict in my relationships, gives me peace and joy and freedom and actually can unite me in my relationships if he's controlling it instead of me. When we control it, the stress and anxiety and the fear, can I, can I just tell you, here's one thing I can tell you right now about Joe Mackey, my friend, who's managing my money. When I tell him to do something with my money, Joe doesn't sweat one drop. He's not worried about it. He's like, all right, it's your money. Whatever you tell me to do, I just do with it. I just want to tell you, when you hold your money and possessions with open hands, because you realize this isn't mine. Now, if it's mine, now you got to clench it. But if actually is God's, if you can believe this truth, then you can hold your hands like this. And there are two huge blessings. Can I just, let me say this again. Everything God wants to do in your life is to bless you. And he knows this, and you know it too, actually, that when we try to control our money, it freaks us out. But if you hold it like this, two blessings. The first one is peace. First one is peace. You don't have to worry about this because it's actually God's. And he wants to relieve you of the anxiety and the stress and the fear. And he says, if you will trust me with my money, then you can be at peace. But here's the second thing. He also wants to bless you with joy. God actually wants to bless you with joy. Here's one thing I know, is that when a person holds their money like this, and God, who's the owner, says, hey, here's what I'd like to do with my money, and people are generous. Do you, have you guys ever met a free, generous person who isn't full of joy? <laughs> They're the ones who are living life. And God actually wants to create within us to be like him. And he's a giver. But if we're clenching it and trying to control it, we very rarely are generous with his money. But if God owns it and we believe it, then we hold it out here. And now I'm a steward. God is the giver. And here's what's so cool. And God loves to give to you so that he can give through you. He loves to give to people who believe and trust that it's his. Because if it's his, then I, just like Joe, can easily do whatever I say to do with my money. I can actually do what God wants to do with his money. But he does it through me. And you guys, we all know this. The Bible tells us it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's him. And he wants to do that for us. You know, um, in, in the early years at K2, we were over on 2100 South, and we were in this one tiny little warehouse, and we were just busting at the seams. So we did it. We, did, we needed to expand. So we did a campaign to raise some money to, to, to expand our facility. We called it Discover More because we wanted people to actually discover more of the real faithfulness and the goodness of God. 
we wanted us as a church, we wanted to discover more of what God wanted to do through us. And so here's what we asked everybody to do, and this is what Susie and I did. The first thing we did is you just start praying. And you say, okay, God, you own everything. You own everything I have. What do you want to do with this? And so the first thing we did is we looked at our budget, and we just said, okay, from our budget, what can we actually rearrange? And we could probably give this much to this campaign. After we did that, then we looked at it and we said, okay, now what could we sacrificially give? What could we actually cut out that we normally spend on ourselves, and we're going to give that instead to God? And then we did, went one step further, and that's when we said, okay, God, so here's what we feel like we can do. What do you want to do? Very dangerous prayer. <laughs> and God expanded that, and we both were in agreement that we, he felt like with his money that he had given to us, he wanted to give more. Now, here's what was crazy. More than we regularly would actually possess. So here's what's crazy. It was a three-year campaign. We got to the second year. And every time I would finally get some money that I could put towards the campaign, every time something would break down. My, in our house, something would go in the house, and all the money that I had saved up would have to go to repair our house. And then my car would break down. <laughs> And everything I had to saved up, I'd have to go pay. And I started getting super mad. And I'm really angry. And then all of a sudden, I remembered. It's like, wait a second. God, this is your money. It's not mine. If you want to spend it on the car, I guess you can spend it on the car. And if you want to spend it on the house, I guess you can spend it on the house. And so, the, but then it became year three. And now Susie and I, man, we had a boatload of money that we actually had to give to be able to be, to be faithful to the pledge that we made, that we felt like God asked us to give. And I want to tell you, man, I can't get into all the details. It was unbelievable. By the end of that year, God had provided every penny that we pledged. I want to tell you, man, here's the truth. Number one truth. Everything you have belongs to God. But here's the second truth. Everything you have comes from God. Everything you have has comes from him. And here's the thing. God actually wants to give to you. That's what he is. He's a giver and he's a giver. And when you experience God being faithful, stepping out in faith and saying, okay, I'm going to risk because God, we don't even make this much money. I don't know how we're going to do this. And you step out and then he takes away your money to just show himself even greater. And then he provides for you. You know what happens? God starts to get real to you. But here's the truth that you need to understand, and I need to understand. Everything you have right now, again, every dollar, every possession, has actually come from God. He owns it, and he has given it to you. Here's the verses. Yours, Lord, is the great... Oops. I'm past that page. Here we go. Verse 12. Wealth and honor... Come from you, verse 12. Verse 16, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was first going through this whole principle, I'm like, hello, I could swear I'm the guy who worked 40 to 50 hours this week, Right? I'm the one who got up early and labored and struggled, and I got the paycheck, and this is mine. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God knew we would ask that question. So he said, you may say to yourself, 
My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. (laughs) See, everything you have has come from him. Your intellectual capacity that allows you to be able to work has come from him. The physical health and ability to work has come from him. And all of the resource actually comes from him. And I just want to tell you guys, just so can I give you one application when I think about this, when you realize everything belongs to God and yet he gives it to me, everything comes from him. You can't help but just to go, thank you. One of the greatest things all of us would do right now is you just need to stop, and if this is true, and just thank God for giving you health, intellectual capacity, and thank him for every gift that he has given you because it's his and he gave it to you. Deuteronomy 29, 13, this is why David said, now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And, And I just want to tell you guys, This is one of the most fascinating experiences is to experience God actually giving to you things that come from him to you, okay? And I I know there's lots of people who will say, man, I want God's stories. I'd love to have a God story of him providing for me. I heard one guy say, he goes, God would love to do this. You just don't give him a chance, (laughs) Instead of actually waiting on God to provide, most of us go in debt or we try to make it happen instead of trusting him. And, when I, and I tell you, it does come, God's provision comes to those people who say, in God I trust. And, and you can write this one down. When you trust him, he trusts you. When you trust him, When you hold your money like this, and God knows, if I give this guy some money, he's actually going to do whatever I tell him to do. Hello? That's who you give your money to. I trust Joe Mackey with my money, because he'll do anything I tell him what to do. Do you, do, do you trust him? That when he asks you to do anything with your money, you'll do it. You guys, everything comes from him. And Susan and I have had so many cool stories of his provision. And here's what's crazy. They they, they come in supernatural ways. They come in surprising ways. Because why? Because everything in heaven and earth is God's. And if everything in heaven and earth is God's, then he can look and see the needs that are there. And when you're the owner of everything, that means you're in control of everything, And that means God can actually move the universe to actually provide for you because he's in control of everything. But here's the main way he does it. Psalm 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it is the Lord's, the world, now listen to this, and all who live in it. All who live in the world actually belong to God. And you know how God often causes stuff to come to us, when we say everything comes from God, you know how he does it? Many times he uses people. He moves in people. 
and people who trust God, who hold their resources like this, and then the Spirit of God says, I would like you to give this. If you go, okay, it's yours, here you go. You give it. Next thing you know, there's a person over here who is in a major need, and they're sitting there, and they're praying to God, and they're going, God, how are you ever going to help us? We need you so badly. And God goes over to this person, hey, I need you to actually give to this thing. Okay, it's yours. Go for it. Resource comes. This person's like, oh my God, praise God. Because God actually moved in people who trust him. So our team just got back from Eswatini, okay? Just flew in Thursday. 34 hours of straight travel, by the way. Super fun. Just got back from Eswatini, which was once Swaziland. In Swaziland, you guys, 40% unemployment. Four zero. We do these home visits, and we would take food to homes, about four or five homes a day. And we drop the bags. We have these huge 25-pound bags of rice and cornmeal and stuff for them, and we'd lay it down. I want to tell you, it's amazing. One time, I laid down the bag. I came in, and the, and the grandmother, who was like head of the whole household, she just started dancing. She's like, whoa! And she just started circling and singing. You know why? Because they had nothing. They had nothing. You know, all of us, at the end of our home visits, we always ask them, how can we pray for you? We asked everyone on our team, you know what every home told us? Pray that somebody in our homestead would find work. They don't work. They can't find employment. And so you know what happens? God actually goes, okay, I see this group of people who are in need. And then he speaks to Sally Townsend. Sally's just a member here. She just goes to K2. And God started moving in her heart, moving her to Africa. And Sally, because she trusts God, followed him. Long story, she ends up coming to me one day in my office and saying, Dave, I feel like I'm supposed to help some, make something happen in Swaziland. I'm listening to this, and God is working in my heart. He's like, okay, this isn't just Sally. This is something I want K2 to be involved in. So we follow this plan. Next thing you know, there are 200 kids that get sponsored, <laughs> Okay. We throw that out to you guys, 200 of you who hold your hands like this, heard God move in your heart, and you faithfully sponsored those kids. Can I tell you, you know what happens? Oh, I wish, we'll show you pictures maybe next week. You run up there, you get to the care point, and these 200 kids run up, and the first thing they do is, they're all wearing a little uh, lanyard with their name on it, and the first thing they do is they hold their lanyard, and they turn it around, and they hold it up like this, because on the back is their special friend. It's you who actually sponsors that kid so that he has a meal for that day. And they just want to know, do you know them? Do you know them? Do you know them? This is how God takes care of the needs of the world. Why? Because God owns everything and he loves everybody and he's looking for people who say, and in God, I trust. I believe that he owns it and I believe that everything I have comes from him. And so when God says, I want to meet a need, then I'm faithful and I give it to him. And this is how God works in the world. And the coolest thing is, again, then God's will is done and he gets glorified. People who have needs get blessed. And those of us who give what he gave us experience freedom and joy and life. It's a win, win, win every time. All right? So all you have belongs to God. He's the owner. He's in control. All you have 
has come from him. And here's the last thing. And all you have tests your heart. All that you have tests your heart. Okay? David goes on in verse 17 and he says this. I know, my God, that you test the heart. So God tests our heart. Now that word can also mean examine. Okay? Now I'm of that wonderful age where my doctor called me right before I left for Africa and told me, Dave, time for your colonoscopy. That's always a fun thing to be excited to come home to. But what's a colonoscopy? It's an examination. And what's that mean? They're going to examine the reality of what's in here. That's all an exam is. An exam goes in and says, Dave, here's the truth of what's happening in your intestines. When you were in school and you took a test, what does a test? All, get, get rid of the grades. All a test is, is it's revealing what you know. It's revealing what's in here. You take a test, you put it out. It's like, here's what I know. This is what's inside of me. Do you guys know in James chapter one, it says that God tests our faith. He actually tests what we believe. And he says, I use trials to do that. And I'm like, oh, I hate that. But here's what I know. God wants us to know the reality of our heart. And the number one thing God uses to test you so that you can know what is actually in here is your money. And this is what it means when he says this. You and I can say anything we want to say, okay, about this. But the truth is, um, no matter what we say, sorry, okay, let me back up for a second. Um, Jesus, partly why we have to talk about this, is there are 38 parables that Jesus tells us. 16 of those are actually about money and possessions. He knows that the only way to really help you understand what's in here is by giving you resource and then testing you to see what you do with it. So, and then he goes on to say this. I know that you test the heart and that you are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. What's integrity? Integrity is honest, truthfulness, or accuracy of one's actions. In other words, it's when your actions match your words. So, as I get near the end here, I just want to, and now I just want to ask all of you, all of you guys who would say, if I asked you right now, do you worship Jesus Christ? And you would go, yes. Do you follow Jesus? Yes. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you love him? By, by the way, when we say we worship him, that means he is the most important thing to us. That's, we all worship some things. But when you say you worship Jesus, what you're saying is he actually is the one that I bow to and I do whatever he asks me to do. Okay? For those of us in this room who say that you follow Jesus and that you worship him and that you love him, are your actions in accordance with your words when it comes to his money? And this is a huge issue. Do you hold his resources with an open hand? Do you follow all of his requests with his money? Or are you actually in control? 
of his money. Now, do you guys know what it's called? Here's a definition. To appropriate fraudulently to one's own use money or property that's entrusted to one's care. If you've been entrusted with money to care for it by, from somebody else, and you actually use it for yourself, do you guys know what that's called? Embezzlement. Embezzlement. So, if God is saying the truth here today, everything you have is mine. And here's what I want you to do with it. By the way, I'm going to give you all of it to, to manage. I would love for you just to return to me one out of those ten. Okay? You get the nine. And I, by the way, this is what was crazy. I thought, this is awesome. God only wants one, and I get the 90. <laughs> but now God's saying, but David... Do you actually return to me what is mine? And in Malachi, he actually says this crazy thing. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? And yet you rob me. And they're like, what? And they say, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. You're taking my money and you're appropriating it, all of it, for yourself. And if you take all your money and you use it for yourself, then I just, I got to say this as clearly as I can, then you do not worship me. You can say that you do, but you're worshiping yourself. You do not love me because what you love, you resource. And that's why most of us take every penny that God gives us and use it for ourselves. And this is what causes havoc in all of our relationships. This is what causes havoc in our stress and our anxiety because we're bent towards ourselves. And God goes, and I know that you can say you love me and you can say you worship me and you can say you follow me, but I know if you actually do and so do you because of what you do with the resource that I've given you. And if you worship me, then you'll follow me and you'll return to me what's mine and you'll steward the rest. You guys, can I just say to all of you who are my Christian brothers and sisters, some of you are so missing out on the blessing of God and you're wondering, where's the power? Where's the freedom? Where's the life? And God's up there going, listen, if I give you what I give you, you just use for yourself. I can't trust you. Now, can I, listen to me. This has nothing to do with your salvation. <laughs> you are not saved on whether you give God money or not. Amen. Can I hear a big amen? You guys got on. This is not about your salvation, okay? All of our sin, even hoarding money for ourselves. Jesus is on the cross going, man, I know I got to die for this one. Bring it on. <laughs> and he has forgiven you. You are saved by grace through faith. But Titus chapter 2 says, the grace that saves you trains you to say no to ungodliness. And there's nothing more ungodly than selfish living. There is nothing more ungodly, not like God, than living for yourself. And if God's grace has saved you, that grace actually trains you to say no to yourself and to live upright and godly lives in this day, right here, right now. And you know what? And that's why I say part of your soul, if you're a Christian, you're going, 
Oh, I know this. I want this freedom. I want to be generous. I want to be faithful. I want God to bless me. And your flesh is going, don't you dare think about doing this. <laughs> don't stay in control. Because if I got you under control, baby, I can freak you out. I can scare you to death. I can keep you anxious and I can screw up your relationships. Stay in control. And I want to tell you, God loves you too much. He loves you too much. So he gives you his resource. And then he says, now would you just say, in God, I trust. And if you will, you will start experiencing him blessing you greatly over and over again. And everybody around you will be blessed as well. All right? So let me pray for us. Go ahead and just close your eyes. And let me, it's going to lead you here in a prayer. For some of you, you, you've never heard that you didn't know this. And God has taught you the truth that he owns and has given you what you have. Some of you, you've been sitting in church a long time and you've heard this and yet you still, as a follower of Jesus, are hoarding his money and he's rebuking you today and he's telling you, I want to save you from a life of destruction. Turn and you need to repent today. Some of you, you just corrected your thinking. He just corrected you today. Man, I thought that 10 was mine, or his 90 was mine, and it's all his, and I want to be open. God, do whatever you want to do with me. And all of us, he's training today. So here's what I want to ask you to do, and I'm going to be quiet just for a minute. Here's what I want to ask you to do. As you've been listening to his word today, what is God saying to you this morning? about the resource that he has given you. Just ask him, God, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? God, I just join David and say praise to you, Lord, from everlasting to everlasting, because yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. And yet you are so gracious and so giving to us. God, I just ask now that your Holy Spirit would speak clearly to each of us and help us to take a faithful step now that we know and understand the truth from you that everything we have is actually yours and has come from you. God, as you tested our hearts this morning and shown us the truth of our devotion to you and our love for you, would you now strengthen us with that grace, strengthen us with your power, strengthen us with your spirit, that gives and gives and gives and help us to trust you with your money. In Jesus' name, amen.